The Football Frenzy. Hey, you hit me so hard down there. The Football Frenzy on Cofield and Company. Company. Five o'clock hours here. That means about 25 minutes away from the Aces celebration parade from Caesars to Bellagio. Big stage set up. Looked like a good crowd is building down at the Bellagio. If you missed the first hour of the show, LVSportsNetwork.com, we spent about 35 minutes on the Aces and what it meant for Las Vegas and titles over the course of sports history around Las Vegas. LVSportsNetwork.com is where you can find the archives of the show. Both the three... And the 4 o'clock hour, Sam Pettyotovich just joined us a couple minutes ago on gambling, PFT, NFL Insider, Miles Simmons on the 4 o'clock hour. And we did have former Titan and Oiler and sports radio star in Nashville, Blaine Bishop on to talk about the Titans and the Raiders. We'll get back to the matchup. We'll get back to looking at the aftermath of week two with the Raiders. I should have told Blaine it's, the, it's number three on the best cities list to visit for NFL road game. I don't think you need to butter a guy up like that from Nashville. Uh, I mean, but, it's a given um, that Nashville is a top five city. What's not a given is the hellhole that you include in the top 10, <laughs> Indianapolis. Which, by the way, not only does the city suck, but now their team sucks. I'm just excited for Nashville this weekend. That's all That's all I was getting at. You're leaving late, though. I am. Isn't it tradition with some of your writers to leave, like, Wednesday? For game week, what? I don't understand why you're so responsible. Go enjoy the city. I'm going. Well, I'm leaving at 5 a.m. Saturday morning. Are you going to extend it on the back end? Like, could you extend it through next Tuesday? No. Or are you on Josh McDaniel's time where Monday you you don't know, you know, you may have to be here at 8, you know, 7.30 in the morning to go to a press conference. I'm leaving later Monday so I can participate in the press conference from virtual. Okay, good. Yeah. Good. How many times have you been to Nashville? About, well, I have a lot of family there. You do? Oh yeah. Do I not listen to you? What well, family do you well, we've have? Talk, we've we've talked. I mean, many times about the the Vanderbilt cousin and that, that oh, whole family that's is right. Nashville. Sure. Your cousin pitched and then made it to AAA with the Nationals. No, he's not the Nationals. He he's, he played three parts of three or four different seasons with the Nationals. Taylor Hill. Yeah. He he came up that many times. Are you sure? Yeah, I think I think three different years he came up. I thought he got a cup of coffee once. No, a couple times. Athleticism runs in the family. One for one is a hitter, I believe. How big is he? He's a big kid. Real big kid. As we pointed out, you have a big family. He was like 6'5", 260, would it be? 250? He's 260? Uh, maybe. I didn't know He's that. a big, maybe, maybe that time, maybe 240, 250. One of our worst moments. You know what? I'm not even going to say that. It was funny. What's that? Oh, yeah, it was good. Yeah. One of, the, one, of the, one of the interesting moments is I met a couple of, the, how long ago was that? You think eight, 2008, maybe, 2007? Maybe. Maybe even longer. I met a couple of your cousins, females, and they were they were big. Now, did I need to call them offensive linemen? No, that was over the line. But they were both big ladies. Sure. Right? Sure. Around 5'10", 5'11". Which for me, you know, it's, I'm, I'm short and fat, so everyone looks big to me. <laughs> but but bigness runs may, in your may family. Have, may have been listening. And, yeah. Were they listening or was other family members listening? Well, I think one of them was listening and other family members were listening. It's okay. It's fine. They, they know who they are. How are they doing, by the way? Fantastic. <laughs> like to check in on them every 10 years or so? Sure. There was just a family reunion like a couple weeks ago. I was, I was obviously not there. 
Why not? There's no chance. Where do you guys do a family reunion? Michigan. Like in a park? Oh, yeah. With those those old school well, barbecues? You guys all bring hot dogs? and Well, first of all, growing you make, up. You make a bunch of conies? Growing up, it was always the last Sunday of June every year. Yeah. It's now been moved. That's a big controversy, of course. Uh, but there, it was a park in a place called Lapeer, Michigan. It was a very small town uh, about an hour north of Detroit. It's actually about 20 minutes north of where the palace is yeah. in Auburn Hills. But a lot of family from like northern Michigan. It, it was crazy. But there's a there's like a pavilion inside the – it's more of a like a covered area where there's a picnic. Sure. But somebody would have to go like a year in advance and reserve it for the next year. And usually they didn't. So we'd be outside. And then whoever had it reserved would be like, stay out of our – it was a whole you thing. You guys blew it every time. Some, so, well, so. somebody would have to go up there because you – it has to be within a year, so somebody have to stay around till the next day, right? Because the next day was the day you could reserve it. So then it would be like, who's going to stay tomorrow? Nobody wants to. It's a whole thing. So every year would be a mess. Now this year it was moved to August in a different park in a different right. part of Michigan, and the chaos, the chaos that ensued from trying to move it was nuts. Now I just choose to ignore it. You should not be the organizer. You're a very organized person. You're a very detailed rules well, person. My dad took over this year. That's oh, part of why Kurt. it was a mess. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe Linda's the more organized one and the rules person. Kurt is not. Oh, that's that's your that's dad. Side, I, I, sure. Kurt's awesome, but uh, I but, just don't see him. He's so laid back. By the way, every year for like 120 years. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, I'm so jealous. Yeah. Well, that's what I was asking. Did did some of the younger folks take it over? Because my other question now is like, do people do family reunions anymore? Because my family just they just they bailed. You know what? They might do it. They just don't invite me. That, you know what? I just thought of that. They're like, he's not coming anyway. He's in Nevada. Screw him. Well, you you not, you would not be surprised that there was many times growing up where the egg toss rules were very much questioned by me. You're doing. You're like a lunatic at six years old. Yeah, and I'd be like, well, what? I mean, they're not even stepping back for the next throw. What are we doing? It was, it was chaos. You know, now that I think about it, and I don't think you're available anyway. I have to uninvite you from our tug of war tomorrow at the Plaza Pool. I'll be there because you'll be a giant pain in the ass. No, there's an official. There's an official official there. Is a, Steve is very highly trained. You, so tomorrow we're doing bikini tug of war. Steve's here summer tour. We did it six years ago, and it was great. It was awesome. The ladies were so competitive, but he was kind of hashing out some rules today. And I was like, if Adam was here right now, oh. he'd be having a conniption. He's he's certified. Does he I, know I know, the rules but already? you know, it's we we did it on sand last time. Oh no! Now it's not on sand. We had five women per team. Now it's three. How many bikinis do you put as markers on the rope? I'm sure you'd be all over that. I have a feeling. I heard it was leaking oil a little bit. I had a feeling that the weight limit of 390 pounds between three women may have to be stretched a bit. Oh. Rules so, are rules. I I there's I think there's. I don't why wasn't I call- on the air? Why am I doing? Why this, this I- could be big trouble with this trophy. Why that wasn't could be a challenge? Well, why wasn't I called in to consult? If there's rules questions, I would have been very happy to participate. We might have to just change this to like an Omaha drill, just one on one. Just throw a football on the concrete and go at it. Actually, throw it in the pool. Throw it in the pool and just swim. Whoever to it. gets it. Okay, I, I like this game. There's no, I mean, there's no real complicated rules there. Oh, trust me, I'll come up. With I some. will. I'm definitely lining up a second host tomorrow because Adam, Adam will disappear. First of all, he'll be at the, he'll be looking at the way in and like <laughs> real close. 
Because you're a weighing expert too, not for um, yourself, true. but for MMA. Sure. If there's rules that need to be sorted out, I can consult on this. I am good at this. No, you're not, and you, you're not, you're not, you know what? Many I, times you're not coming. You have many times conceded and after, after things. You're out. Like, oh yeah, that would have. The, the, I see why rules are important now. You're out. All right, football frenzy at five o'clock. We do uh, big four at four every day now. A little format change for Cofield and Company. Big four at four, and for folks who uh, who were listening in the four o'clock hour, you heard it. We're doing the four to five hour now for both. Uh, Lotus ESPN Reno and right here, of course, on ESPN Las Vegas. I think you're going to love this topic because I believe you, but I'm just going to say Adam claims to have been a really good baseball player, and I believe I you, and I think you could slide, and I know I could slide. This is not like old man, you know, claim, like trying to reinvent what he was. I know I could slide. So when you and I watch quarterbacks try to slide, a lot of times – like I, I don't. I, if I did it now, my bones would just disintegrate. Oh yeah. But when I watch quarterbacks, I'm the, like, the fear they did, that person did not play baseball. The fear in my mind of trying to slide and tuck one leg under the other to execute a proper slide right now. Yeah. Horrifying. Well, because they, the problem now is we know friends who get injured doing nothing. Yeah. Like my legs might just rip off. Yeah. Just, just at the knee, both well, are both, called, both. I'm just gone. It, it's called the art of sliding. I yes. mean, it, it's an art. Like it's it's something that does take time. And like if you're not in practice for it, it can be tough. So UNLV's off to a two and one start. Doug Brumfield has been really, really, really good in two of the three games, and he was pretty solid against Cal. A little jittery, you know, handling the blitz and stuff. And his receivers kind of let him down early in the game. They were fired up some drops, but game one and game three. Have been crazy. Now, one of the things that has happened is he can run, so he's got this escapability. And last week he ran for 100 yards. I mean, he was a terror. But there are several times where he's out there, and the first down marker is you know off six yards away, and now he's got to make a decision: Do you go head first? Do you slide? He went head. To my memory, I think he went head first at least once, and he slid twice. Here's Marcus Arroyo, who played quarterback at San Jose State. He's head coach at UNLV, but he also. I mean, I believe him, right? Do we? If I believe you, I'm going to believe Marcus Arroyo, who said he was a pretty good baseball player. We'll believe him, right? Yeah. Do I have to call him a question tomorrow on the coach's yeah. show? No, he's an athlete. Coach, you know, we, we need – can we get another coach on to talk about former teammate? Like, were you, were you good at baseball? That's what he claims. Can we get Ricky Henderson on? <laughs> Is he out there somewhere? So he's talking about the art of sliding and, you know, teaching guys like Doug Brumfield how to get down, when to get down, and also know where he is on the field. Yeah, it's a new rule. You know that that rule changed um, last year. You know it's not where he, not where the slide hits. Now, now it's where he starts to bend his knees to go slide to protect him. Um, they changed that last year with that with the, with the pit quarterback in that game. You know, which is the which is an acceptable rule. I mean, it's something we do, but it's a, it's a new coach. It's coaching. You know, it's like guys are he's played some football before and got down and slid. Well, now we got to know situationally when to go for when to when to, when to Pete Rose and when to when to slide. You know, and so um, and so. You know, it's uh, it, it is trying. We we practice it. I mean, if you guys, some of you guys, in practice on some of these, you see us out there with the pad. We're practicing sliding. We've done it at other places I was at. I had to do it at Oregon with Justin at times, um, learning how to get down and protect yourself. Now it was different then because it wasn't where you start the slide, so it's a little bit different. Now it's you got to know situational football. You saw him do it two different ways in last last week's game. Um, one on a third down, he's got to go. It hurt us in the week before. We talked about it. We coached it. It's just you got to get more and more reps at it and understand it. Um, he got another one where we dove out there and got it. Another one where he ran past first down and slid. So it was like there's a lot of a new teach tape there um, on how to slide and how to get down. And I think it's just part of the game now at that position. I sort of hate the new rule, but it does make sense because of the picket fake last year. Yeah. 
that once you're giving yourself up, you can't fake. And to his point on Justin Herbert, he still doesn't know how to slide. Yeah. Because Raiders fans were extremely pissed. That extended a drive right inside the five-yard line when Herbert kind of like half slid. Yeah. And then as a defender, you're like, okay, he's fair game because he's going down late and he's not really sliding. Refs gave him the benefit of the doubt. But with Brumfield, it is this is a real thing because he's so mobile, he's going to have a chance to run for first downs. Now you got to know where to slide. You got to freak. You got to get to the marker and then slide. You can't do it two yards before. Well, there's two very different issues here to to, to talk about. One is my my thing that I've talked about many times. Uh, when you say I've I'm always obsessed with the sliding is the form. Yeah. Like the form for a lot of these guys is awful. I don't think Brumfeld's form is that bad. I think he can slide. His issue is as Marcus Rojas said, when to do it. Because you, I, if I remember correctly, you, you just said he slid twice, dove once, and it was because he slid twice too soon and then was short of the first down, so the next time he dove. Now, those are two different things. When to slide and how to slide, two different topics. Right. The when to slide certainly is something Brumfeld probably needs to work on, but I think he is. As, as Aurora said, he's learning it, and it's a rule change from last year, so there's a different process involved in how to do that. Um, but it, it's important, and... Like there are times now, I would, I would almost say, as much as I've always been pro slide, hey, don't get hurt, slide. I would almost always dive now, because they're going to call anybody that comes near even breathing you with penalty. Anyway. So if you go, if you go Superman slide or Pete Rose, and you get smashed on the back or the head, they're going to call it. Yeah, and, are and, you sure? You're a and, runner, and you're going to get. You're a runner. Stop. Uh, <laughs> okay. Stop. It's quarterbacks. We know. We know they're, how they were treated. Uh, if you die, and if you dive, you're getting those extra yards too. So you, you you can have a little bit of of insurance in terms of where you are and getting the first down that you need to get. So I would almost always say dive now because I don't think people are going to be able to hit you anyway. On uh, UNLV getting off to this two and one start, I felt I really felt bad yesterday. So we had Paul Gutierrez show up, ESPN.com Raiders expert, and we got into UNLV a little bit, and Willie starts throwing out bowl game stuff. And Paul was like nodding, and I was like, "Everyone, stop!" I felt bad. It's like pump the brakes. You're, you're raining on the parade. I mean, a little bit, but let's let's be realistic here. You know, stack some wins, and not predicting anything. It's a long season. Brumfield has had trouble staying healthy through the season. He's a mobile quarterback. Arroyo even mentioned it on Monday. Hey, again, we're still working on how he runs and how to protect himself. And he said, guys, at this level, it's not high school. Guys are a lot bigger and stronger. The force is higher. And when you're six foot six and Brumfield will go acrobatic. I mean, he did like a pogo stick on his head on one of the plays. Yeah. Uh, he he got flipped in the cow game because he tried to dive. Like you appreciate the effort. So I'm just saying, with the overall season goals, they got to make sure they keep him healthy. I think the backups are good. You know, Bailey's coming along. And Friel, so they're better in better shape with backups now. But you know, a lot of your hopes for a really good season depend on Brumfield. Sure. So, well, you, if you think talking about a bowl game is too far, you clearly thought my take was too far. What'd you say? That at this point, a loss to Notre Dame would be embarrassing. You, I heard that, and I was I laughed. I mean, I there's a good chance Notre Dame's what one in five, one in five or one in six when they play. Yeah, can't lose to that team. Let's see them get to one and five. Let's see if they look that bad. And let's see what UNLV does now with some prosperity. Yeah, for sure. Of course, I'm, I'm kidding. 
But 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 to your point, it would be crazy if UNLV, which opened at Golden Nugget with Tony Miller, as I think, I thought it was like twenty six and a half or upwards of twenty eight. I can look it up. Last week before the games, it was down to twenty one. Like if they go to Notre Dame and somehow they're like inside ten points as a dog, that's crazy. Yeah, the way the season changes. Well, and look, look, Notre Dame very easily could have, and maybe even should have lost to Cal at home. Yeah, and UNLV was right there with Cal, and Notre Dame. I mean, they have looked terrible. But again, that's way down the road. They've got UNLV has to focus on the games that are in front of them. But there should not be anything on their schedule that you look at and say they cannot win this game. Football frenzy at five o'clock. Okay, be objective on this. You're talking about the Bucks reeling. I know you don't agree with Cole Beasley on lots of things, but he's not a terrible signing. Like, I think the way you wanted to frame this is like, oh my God, how desperate are the Bucks? Well, yes. Cole Beasley being available is a nice pickup if you need some wide receivers. If it's two or three years ago, sure. But but I think more you more think my lost point, it that much a little bit. But my point or is, are you even, more concerned with what he's gonna what he's gonna tweet and yes. say in interviews? Sure, okay. but I actually don't even think it's that. Like it's not even about Cole Beasley to me. It's more a month ago, and you know I'm so just locked in, and obsessed, and and just fantasy discussions in that world. So it might be a little bit different discussion than most people are having. But a month ago, you said. How on earth are the Bucs going to find a way to get all these receivers on the field? This is nuts. They've got like seven guys that are, you know, all pros or past all pros or pro. But like this team is loaded. And now they're they're searching on the street for anybody that can play wide receiver. That's more the, that's more the issue I was I was talking about with you. I mean, yes, Cole Beasley is he is what he is. He's he can get open, he can make some catches, he's fine. But this is not a team that expected to be like begging and pleading and like looking for job applications for a receiver at this point in the season. Roger Waters playing T-Mobile October 1st. That's a Saturday night. Tickets available at AXS.com. Roger Waters, Pink Floyd playing on October 1st at T-Mobile. Ari's got two tickets right now. Caller 7-364-1100. Want the skinny on UNLV football? Listen to the weekly UNLV All Access podcast with Cofield and Caleb Herring. A new episode drops each Thursday morning at UNLV All Access on Twitter. A failed conversion, that would help. <laughs> I mean, the guys did a great job in coverage, and the guys were rushing really. I mean, the effort was there, and they executed better. And, you know, we just go, you go back to the drawing board and be ready to go next time. Because it's not going to be the last time we have a two-point play this season, so be ready to go. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. 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 That coordinator day with the Raiders, D.C. there. And we'll talk more about the two-point conversion and, you know, multiple plays with Kyler Murray. You know, cue the Benny Hill music as he's running around like crazy and gassing out the defense. That's coming up in less than five minutes. Uh, parade starting up here in just a couple minutes for the Aces, the world champion Aces, win the WNBA title. Things will finish up on the strip at the Bellagio. I mean, I'm only seeing a couple of video angles of it, but eh, looks like, you know, four or 5,000 around the stage and lined up. I'm looking at a picture that's pointing north on LV Boulevard. 
It's a good crowd. It's a real good crowd. That's awesome. I'm glad people are supporting it. Me too. You wish you were there. Yeah. If it was 6.30, I'd be over there. You don't like parades, but you like celebrations. Well, I like, you know, it to be invested in a team, as I was, and I think a lot of people were, of watching the season and checking out the team. Oh, the I thought you meant you used to be invested in a team in the NFL. No, no, no. Okay. No, I just, I just mean, you know, you watch them and you, you see them play and perform, and then you want to go... You know, see what it see what the culmination of that is, and their their uh, celebration with the fans. And I think that's cool, and I'm glad it's today and not Thursday when they couldn't have attended. I'm getting tired of seeing videos that include weak audio that say someone farted. I know there's no segue there. What did that happen during the parade? No. Okay. I guess it happened last night with Orlovsky. Yeah, he did. I. I'm sorry, man. I <laughs> you don't think it's apparently there, he sneezed and then farted. Levy and Riddick are there, and Orlovsky's on mic here, and he start you like you're a bad sneezer. Yeah. You're quiet, but you sneeze all the time on the air, and it's you know you're always like oh, I can't believe I just did that. So Orlovsky's caught on live TV. Listen to this. Now the big the big the big change is the commitment to running the football. Okay, one, I could hear the kachoo. I don't think that level of fart would be picked up on a mic. There's, like, real farts. I feel like we don't have any of our fart sounds anymore in the, the vast sound system. Tom Sula has to be there. Tom Sula was legit, but that was like a... That's the same one. Okay, li- listen, nah, I'm not going to do it. What? I. That little pop thing, that's not... That would not pick up on a microphone. A lot of examples in football history of good quarterbacks losing their confidence. It's pretty similar. Was that is that right, play, fart? Yes. Play that. Play that again. A lot of examples in football history of good quarterbacks losing that's their confidence. That's a fart. <laughs> that's a fart. That's a Tom Sula fart. That's, it's not that's, that much different. That's a real fart. No, that that's got there's like a beefiness to it, a substance to it. <laughs> was that Tom Sula or Orlovsky? No, that was Tom Sula. No, you just did. That's closer to Tom Sula. <laughs> Why, did Ditka fart on TV one time? No, I feel like... So you were falsely accused. <laughs> that was Boomer. <laughs> okay. I guess there was a fart with Ditka so and Ditka Boomer. Ditka saying it was, yeah, it was Boomer, which I believe. Boomer, the the other Boomer. Yeah, I believe that. Chris Berman. Chris Berman. Yeah. Give me Orlovsky one more time. Now, the big... That's not, that's not over here. The big, the a 6'5 male coming... does not fart like that. I think everyone has different tenor. That's ridiculous. I'm not buying it. He denies it. He did deny I it. I believe Arlowski. Why he, would he lie? It's, I mean, it could be a funny moment. Like, it's not. Imagine his bosses are like, bro. You're fired. We've talked to you about your gas issue. <laughs> and you know what the biggest thing was? He sneezed and allegedly farted, Dan Arlowski. Right. Levy, it, it, like, straight face. I. I like you with the Sabruder film. I rolled back Riddick multiple times, and I thought Riddick may have made a face, but I don't think he did. You're not. No one. Both guys are not holding it together on TV without at least like a smirk. So I believe Dan Orlovsky. Give it to us one more time because we have to pound discussing this like this. Now the big. The big change is the commitment to running the That football. would be me. Like, I'm an involuntary. I don't even know how to describe it. 
Like I just make noises. Sure. I, I feel I'm just like anno- I'm a noisy person and I'm always like, oh, like, reason- that, like that kind of noise. I feel like that was just someone being like, you know, like that's not a fart. Do you think somebody put this in the audio that it wasn't on TV? What are you doing? I just think someone made a noise off to the side. It's a pretty distinct noise. I, I'm, I'm saying somebody did it. Whether it was, it might not have been him. I think it was him. Oh, you're saying that the guys who were straight face may have done it. Or like it, like it could have been Levy. Or is like a producer mic open or like, you know, just making a noise. See, now I don't know if this is you or the audio. I don't know. I don't know. Because I wish that was Michael Winslow. The reason the, 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 the noise, the, you know, the sound guy. From all the police academies. You really wish because. <laughs> wait, wait, give me that one. That's a good one. Big five. Throw it away. Big five. All right, some panic. You know, can I, can I bring up The reason I think it was, though, is because he starts he starts to talk again after after the sound and then stops and restarts again. Like, he's definitely thrown off. Oh, he got thrown off because of the sneeze. No, it's not no. easy to talk right after a sneeze. He's still recovering. Dan Orlovsky, not <laughs> farting. Can I mention I think, one more weird I, sound that I heard? I, th- I think Channel Five should have more people at the parade. <laughs> I just showed like a like a Brady Bunch open screen with like n- really... nine different people co- covering this. Wow, I got uh, the the dudes wearing a tux. That was like a real nice evening gown. Um, so parade going on right now for the Aces, and we're talking farting on TV. Uh, I I know I always, I always take a risk on this. Do we have anywhere isolated the call? Of the scoop and score from yesterday. I'm sorry, from Sunday. Scoop and score. Arizona Cardinals, 59 yarder, Byron Murphy Jr. There was someone on the sideline making a noise. Did you notice this? No, because I'm But even on the even on the replays, do we have like Dave Pash? You got the rejoin from yesterday, Cardinals, Greg Gumble, Jason Horowitz. Do you want me to take a break so we can find it? <laughs> How about we do that? Take a break, find the cuts, we'll play that noise. Then we'll play more noise, like actualities, as we used to say, with both the OC and the DC of the Raiders and continue to kind of unpack and you know finish up on the last game with the Raiders and move ahead, look ahead to the Titans. Steve Sears' Bikini Tug of War is this Wednesday at the Plaza Pool. Cofield and Company will be live from 3 to 6. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Quick throw, Renfro at the 39, backs out of it, goes forward, he's hitting the ball, fumbled again! It's loose on the Cardinals' sideline, they pick it up, it's Murphy down the far sideline, racing towards the end zone, and Arizona scores to win it in overtime! Nightmare, nightmare, yeah, there was a guy in the background who sounded like Dino from the Flintstones. Yeah, but I think the person might have been saying, like, go, 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 go. Did you see the guy in the in the full suit sprinting with Murphy down the sideline on the Cardinal side? Really? That was good. Like right with him. Really? Oh yeah. Second and ten, quick pass outside, and that is complete. That is Moreau and Moreau fighting for yardage. The ball is loose again. I think it's go 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 go. Yeah. This is okay. very excited. Go go go. Yes. Big moment. Aces victory parade. Uh, they're on double decker buses. Making the trek down LV Boulevard. A lot of other people in the procession. It's cool. Looks re- really cool. Really cool. 
And they, you know, I think they, they did it where, you know, you, you deliver on expectations that are not gigantic expectations. Like we talked about it the other day. You don't want to spread a parade from, you know, hey, let's do the Strat to Mandalay. <laughs> right. Like, too much. Yeah, like the downtown to Thomas and Mack Center that UNLV did, although that one was full. Right. That would have been a little silly. I thought that happened last year with the Chicago Sky. They're doing it through the yeah. streets of Chicago, and, then, you know, it was a little bit thin. But this looks awesome. Yeah. And the players deserve it. And I was glad, very buckets, cool. I got, glad buckets got to be a part of it. Buckets are a very key part of the team. The mascot. Minus 5,000, even though we've been in the AC. There's for buckets. Like, God, you love buckets. Buckets is awesome. We've been inside for a few hours. What are we looking at right now outside? Oh, yeah, it does say it right there. <laughs> the news is that Chiron's pretty good on that. <laughs> 93, Mark Davis, minus 5,000, white jacket? Yeah, I think so. Backpack? Does he do a backpack with the white jacket? What's the? It was from the owner's meetings. It's one of the more famous interviews that he's done over the last couple of All years. Right. Where he has the white jacket and then the backpack, right? And then he sits in a chair to do the interview, but he's kind of like All pushed forward, forward yeah, because yeah, yeah. of the backpack. Yeah. Is he uh, an expensive backpack guy? It's pretty nice. You know, Willie yesterday at Twin Peaks puts a bag down on the table. I don't, I can't tell. I guess it was leather or something. I don't know. And he was like, he's like, thank God no one, you know, took it and put it on the floor. And I'm like, I don't even know what's going on. How nice is this bag? Pretty nice. Although not as nice as I, is it better than Mike Pritchard's Merce? That's a good he one. He used to love that. Mike had the Mike had the fanny pack, but it was like a you know, he's a former NFL player. He's doing pretty well for himself. Sure. We love well, Pritch, I'll, but, I'll uh, say this. but I, he didn't like the term Merce. I almost made a big mistake coming yeah. out of the locker room, I think, on uh, on Sunday. With? Because so I waited around uh for Max Crosby and Cleef Earl. They're they're almost always two of the last guys to leave the locker room after a game. So I was waiting around and Max was awesome. Got to, got to talk to him and you know, obviously not in a great – he wasn't happy, but, you know, was very gracious with his time and gave an interview. And then him and Klee walk out together right in front of me, and they both had two of the most unbelievable bags I've ever seen. Really? I was like, wow, those are nice. Like, I'm not a – I don't know what's nice and what's not, but you can just see, like, oh, those are nice. And I was going to just throw the – whose bag is nicer? Just kind of making small talk, and I was like, not the time. Not the time for this. Yeah, bad timing on that one. But I'm, I think I will. I do want to ask because they they both clearly tried to find a bag that is awesome. So one of them has to be better than the other. We were talking play calling from the Sunday game, and I've actually seen this line of questioning in multiple stops around the NFL. Uh, here's Mick Lombardi talking about flexibility in game on offense. Yeah, I think when you go into um, installing the offense, there's certain rules that pl- come into play um, with certain things that you can do, whether it's run game or pass game. And then you go into each game plan week saying, hey, you know, we're going to try and do some things versus certain looks and alert plays out of this, check plays to that. And we try and get on the same page as coaches and players from Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then obviously Saturday, sit down, really iron out, cross the I's, dot the T, uh, excuse me cross the T's and dot the I's and make sure they're all on the same page, ready to go. And then by Sunday morning, Sunday during the game, we're all on the same page and understand that we're going to try and do this if we get this and try and do that if we get that. I try that, cross the T's and dot the I's about every three years, and I screw it up every blank in time. Do you catch it as quickly as Mick caught his? No, I just go into a stumbling, bumbling episode for 40 seconds. 
And then someone's trying to come over the top and correct me. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm talking I, about. I can't tell I you. I don't how, use that normally. So why would I do it? From a selfish perspective, I can't tell you how much I appreciate him doing that. Because when you transcribe it, when you use it in a story, you always have that moment of, do I quote him accurately or do I use the parentheses and correct it how it's supposed to be? So when he corrects it, it makes it just much easier to transcribe it. So long story short on that, does Derek Carr have the leeway to change plays? Do we know with this offense? I mean, it seems like yes. Okay. But my I know this was a this has been a debate that's been going on of does he does he have that say? Does he have that authority? Does he do that during the game? It seems like there are times where he at least, you know, has two calls and switches to one or the other. But my my thought is in the end, every play is his decision because he's the one with the ball. Right. So like who's if he doesn't, change, if he doesn't change the play, he probably has four options in the play. Right. And, so, and he ultimately makes a decision of where the ball goes. So, yes, that's the ultimate final say that you might, might have to answer to it later to your coach, but you get to decide where the ball goes. Lombardi also talked about what the Cardinals did to defend Devontae Adams, seven targets, just two catches. Um, you know, I mean, the, the Cardinals did a very good job. I mean, advanced did a good job. Obviously, we had got him involved a little early and then later in the game. But you know, they were playing their defense to put a little more split safety. And, you know, obviously, Derek was doing a good job of finding finding the guys that dictated the coverage. We talked about it last week, right? What's the quarterback's job of going to certain things versus certain coverage? And based on the coverage, if, you know, the Cardinals were able to take something away, then we were able to actually execute um, – of a different part of our game plan. So um, the Cardinals did a good job. Look, they fought hard for 60 minutes. Um, they obviously did a good job in the second half. We didn't do a good enough job offensively of doing our job and doing things right there. And hats off to them because they played really hard for 60 These minutes. These are really hard questions to answer. Yep. They just are because, like you just said a couple minutes ago, the quarterback has decisions to make. And listen, there were a couple times week one where Mac Hollins was wide open and he was the better receiver and he didn't get the ball tossed to him and they gave him Cardinals gave him Mac Hollins. So sometimes you take the best options. I mean, you got to go back and watch film. Like, Hey, was Devonte there? Should you force it? Like that's what teams are going to do. And by the way, this shouldn't be like a panic situation. We also talked the whole preseason about, Hey, when are you know, Waller and Renfro going to get the ball? Like, okay, well this is what happens week to week. And in game, there's going to be adjustments. You have other receivers. It doesn't have to be Adams targeted, 17 times. Now, seven, probably a little short of the goal. But if he wasn't open, then you can't throw it. And and the, the other one is, I guess, you know, Carr should be able to overcome a bad week the week before. I wonder how much he was thinking about forcing the ball into certain spots after throwing three INTs. Yeah, I, I think it, it's, it's fair to ask, and it's probably fair that if he did it. It's probably fair from his perspective to say, okay, I learned a lesson from that, and that's kind of what, what Lombardi's talking about, what McDaniels also talked about yesterday of, you know, these things have happened. So it's what do you do with it? What do you do with that information? How do you process it? How do you move forward? How do you take what you learn from those games, not dwell on them, not live in them, but uh, go forward with them? And, you know, a mistake is really only a mistake. This is a coach cliche, I'll say it, but mistake's only a mistake if you don't learn from it. That, that's what they like to oh say. Oh, my God, you're, you're insufferable if you're going to – you're doing coach speak now? <laughs> yeah, that's, what, that's how I roll. I sit in press conferences all day. What do you want me to do? These are the people I talk no, I to and listen now. to. Hey, you got to dot your I's and cross your T's or whatever. Uh, Patrick Graham, the D.C., looking ahead to the Titans on what it's like to face a guy who's, what, 6'2", 250 in Derrick Henry. Well, I've never gone against uh, Henry before, so this is interesting. I, I've admired from afar because as a defensive coach, you know, there's not too many things we like about offense, but when you see a guy that can run the ball and the way he runs the ball and the physicality, you know, I wish he would have switched over to defensive end or linebacker at some point. But um, 
but I'm very I'm excited about the challenge. You know, you hear so much about them throughout the league and over the years and really haven't had a chance to face them. The only time I faced them was in 2000, I want to say 18 in the preseason. And he was only out there for one drive when I was at Green Bay. So this, this is going to be fun because he challenges you. You know, the combination of him, the offensive line, uh, I think the toughness of that whole team, that whole organization, starting with, you know, Vrabel, um, J-Rob, those guys, they've built a tough football team. You know, they built a real tough football team. You know, guys with big, good size. And it's, it's going to be football. Like, it's, it's, it's going to be fun to to be a part of. I'm looking forward to it. And I heard the atmosphere down there is really good. Hey, Coach, how do you defend against Derrick Henry? I'm going to put on the Bills tape. <laughs> yeah. That worked. Yeah. I have the best defense in the league. <laughs> that helps. There was no room for him. No. Now, no. Tannehill, the way he's playing right now, stinks compared to Derrick Carr. And I know a lot of people are like, hey, Carr's not playing well. He was fine in the first half on Sunday. Yeah. He's much better than Tannehill. This has now been a season plus of Tannehill looking like, you know, lower than upper half the of the league quarterback. So there's a lot more threats. You cannot even compare what's downfield to defend. With the Raiders wide receivers and the Titans wide receivers. Yeah. Right? Like the Titans defense has a lot to defend against Carr and uh and those receivers, but let's get back to the topic, which is stopping Derrick Henry. Like, how much do you have to worry about Bobby Woods and, you know, Burks? And Westbrook Akine and... It's a bad receiver. It's, <laughs> it's not great. Not a bad receiving core. It's Woods is still coming back from a torn ACL, and Burks may be really good, but it's not right now. Yeah. I mean, they, they miss A.J. Brown. They do, for sure. And and they're just not good right now. They're not blocking. Um, Derrick Henry has nowhere to go. So even even the best running backs on, the, on planet Earth, a guy like... Like uh, Derrick Henry won't be able to go anywhere if you can't block for them. So there's a lot going wrong with them now. I think one of the keys, and I think it was a problem that they had last week against Arizona, is when a team is down, make them stay down. And when Arizona finally, after six quarters of being embarrassed and humiliated, finally had a little bit of success, it built on itself. So you don't want Tennessee to have any success because they'll build off of that and maybe find that confidence again. This parade looks like a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Players dancing on the uh, double-decker bus. They're still not up on stage, uh, going real slow at the proce- uh, procession. And uh, a lot of people there. A ton of people showed up. This is really cool. Congrats to the uh, the Aces. Of course, we are the flagship of the Aces, so glad to see them win a title. What's, what's really the, cool setup. What's the box truck? They did a really good job on this. Wednesdays, it's the Marcus Arroyo Radio Show at 6 p.m. right here on ESPN Las Vegas. Cofield and Company presents Grab Bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Adam Hill, Steve Cofield, Cofield and Company. On a Tuesday, tomorrow, big day. We love these kind of shows. Poolside, the Plaza Pool. Bikini tug of war, Steve Sear, super host in town. Another stop on his Steve Sear summer tour. Teams from Sapphire, Peppermint Hippo. Those are gentlemen's clubs. Sure. Sin City Rollers, roller derby team. Oh boy. They're going to be tough to beat. Sure. 
Redtail and Zook over at Resorts World and several others participating. I'm excited. Except of these rules questions. Well, you're not, to be you're not in it, so you're not on the show tomorrow. It. You're not on the show tomorrow. You have an open locker room with the Raiders. You're out. It should be over by four. Okay, we'll just how about we we'll wait around for you. So now your plan is to what? Come in the second half of the show? Well, so I don't know when the actual event the is going to be taking. The place. tugging's at four o'clock. Right. Weigh ins at three. That's gonna be tight. It is gonna be tight. Soon we'll find out when Raiders practice is tomorrow, and then I'll, I'll know if I can make it. Sources say you can't, but we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Cofield and company. Cofield and company. Tomorrow, Plaza Pool. It's on the fifth floor, South Tower. Come on down. Free admission for locals. Really cool event. We had a great time the last time we did it. And a big trophy will be awarded. Always fun times with uh, Mr. Sear. In the bag. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Mr. Know-it-all. Not Mr. Sear. The good doctor. Mr. Know-it-all. Dr. Dre. Not that one. Dr. Draymond Green, who, of course, as we know, is a master of kinesiology, as he explained a couple of years ago. He knows the way the body moves when he uh, brutalizes others by kicking them, falling over them, punching them in the nuts. But he is a know-it-all. Should Adam Silver lean on the players, maybe led by Draymond Green, to make the final decision on Bobby Sarver, the owner of the Suns? Adam Mercury. Does Draymond Green want to say? Well, he wants a vote. He wants a vote. He doesn't want to vote. Players? He wants a vote to be taken by the league similar to what they did with Donald Sterling. He said, if this is an option, put it to a vote. Okay. Worth the discussion. I, th- I believe his point would be, yeah. hey, let's find out who wants him around and who doesn't. Right. So if you're going to vote to keep him in, fine. But we want we want somebody on the record. Well, how do you vote? Should that be a league thing with players or should it be a Suns-Mercury thing? Should, the whole, should, should they get feedback from the entire league? I mean, it is a league-wide issue. Yeah. What Sarver was doing and what he was saying is gross to most people. Sure. And And he seems like an out-of-control, arrogant horse's ass. It seems to be that way. And so I I think, you know, Draymond's point is, hey, you've done this before. It's one of the options. Put it to a vote. And then we can know, hey, if if teams want to vote him in and if if the rest of the league wants to vote him in, fine. But we want to know who's voting yes and who's voting no and who's keeping him around. Do you think this is worse than Sterling? I've seen some people say that. Mark Spears has covered the NBA for a long time. It's tough. How old is, you, know what I, you know what's funny? In some ways, I think people almost chalked it up with Sterling. Just an old man. Yep, which is so dumb. And it's also insulting to seniors. Like, you're not all jackasses. Right. Oh, he's I mean, old. Like, he was, not he old. was a freaking creep when he was young. Yeah, Sarver appears to be young. I don't know how old he is, but he's not. he's not – He's not like a doddering old fool. Just seems to be a jerk. But is jerk, is bad person mean you can't own a team? I mean, I don't know. Back in the back. Stick your hand in there, Dave. What is going on with this Bates kid, who was the number one recruit in the country a couple years ago? Some of his classmates have already gone to the NBA. He went to Memphis because he he actually – Said, hey, you know what? I'm going to reclassify, go early. It didn't work out there. Then he transferred back home to Eastern Michigan. And now what? Uh, he was pulled over. Come on, man. In a car. The car had a gun in it. He has said, 
he borrowed the car. Just happened to the gun just happened to be in the in the car when he borrowed. Right, it. I mean, that, that could happen. Of course, I was driving a Yugo back in '89. And I gunned it off the line, and I actually got pulled over, which is one of the funniest things ever. I'm like, I don't know how. I don't think I was over 40 miles an hour. I think it was just the the the, the, the screeching of the tires. Got pulled over. Was uh, allowed. I think I'm good, right? Uh, to talk about this, I was allowed to walk. And then as we left, one of my buddies is like, oh, "I had weed in the car," and I was not a weed guy at all. So I've been in this situation. Same thing. The last four cars I've borrowed all had guns. Okay, <laughs> it's crazy. Knowing the people you hang out with, they're. <laughs> Weird. They like guns. No big deal. I hope it works out for this guy. Me too. You know, and I'm going to go to an extreme here. Like, don't turn out like Lloyd Daniels. That turned out to be a really tragic story, and obviously UNLV was involved in that. All right, we'll see you tomorrow at the Plaza.